0: Good morning, guys. Oh, yeah, oh, I'm glad you guys are excited. Um, yeah, I'm not Frank, I get it. Um, my name's Sean, actually, um, one of the seven of us, and uh, I'm excited to, to be here. I'm a, a pastoral resident here, getting ready to plan on the west side. I was with you guys a couple weeks ago. Um, honestly, I know that there's a lot of you guys out there I don't know. I'd love to get to know you, Candace and I, my wife, would love to get to meet with you guys, and if you have any questions on what we're doing and how we're doing it, um, man, I'll be up here afterwards, after the service, and, and we can chat. Um, normally the guy who will be up here actually is Frank and um, this time uh, the reason uh, he is, is not here uh, different from two weeks ago is every summer he goes on this two-week kind of vacation slash ministry deal ministry trip where he goes and preaches at this camp and uh, this week this Sunday I'll be sharing with you And then next week the lead pastor over redemption uh, Tyler Johnson will be sharing with us and super excited about that so um, that's kind of the semantics of, of what it is, and, and how I want to start this morning is a conversation that I've had with some of you guys in regards to, to kind of, um, let's say, my method in preaching, word up, let's talk about that for a second, okay? Um, um, there have been some people who have come up like, hey, you know, listen, um, we get it that, you know, it seems like you're beating the same drum over and over, that we're not saved by works, that we're saved by grace, and, and, and we understand what you say, and they like accuse me of being loud when I preach, which is ridiculous, and... Um, <laughs> And, and so there's kind of this deal where, where I talk and, and now, today, what we're going to get into um, is that kind of same idea. And the reason I bring this up is because, you know, it's found throughout the text over and over and over. And specifically, I've been given the task to really go at this one idea, this, this uh, salvation through faith in grace, God, that, that he saves us, you didn't save us. I'll still steal something from um, my man, Josh Watt, who was in Gateway when he preached uh, a couple weeks, weeks ago up there. But we've been going through the book of Romans, and and you'll notice in Romans, um, chapters one through three does something really different Um, from four to 11, that does something different from 12 to 16, and that's what it is. In in one three, you get this kind of mantra of, hey, you can't save yourself, you're a sinner, you can't do it on your own, okay? That you will never be able to save yourself, and and at the end of the day, um, we're called in in Ephesians two, dead men, like you're dead, You're not picking yourself up and you're not saving yourself. And then towards the end of three, as you kind of roll into four and then four all the way to 11, has this idea, but hear me, God saves you. And he he doesn't save you based on anything that you do. He saves you because of who he is. So one three is this, you can't save yourself, but God saves you. And then at this, you know, we get to, into this idea of predestination and God's elect and, and Israel, what that all looks like in the span of God choosing to save us. And then we get to chapter 12, and we get this idea, because of that, therefore present your bodies. And then it goes on and on, imperative after imperative, do. And so, so here's what Romans again looks like. You can't save you, God save you. saves you, and because God saves you, do. Now, If religion had its way, if religion wrote the Bible, it would go, you cannot save you. You cannot be saved based on what you do. But if you do... But if you read your Bible enough, if you pray enough, if you go to church enough, you will be saved and it switches the order. And the reason I get so Red Bull jacked about this whole concept is because it's not just this idea of scripture over and over, just wave after wave of presenting this idea, but I've experienced this personally where God has rocked my world um, in this. I'm, Man, I was raised by, I I shared this with a lot of you guys, I was raised by um, uh, two drug addicts and when I got saved between... Uh, my freshman year, uh, sophomore year in high school, I was about 16 years old. Long story short, I end up at this church, this hyper charismatic church, where um, essentially um, I end up becoming a pastor, and, and essentially um, there's this kind of undertone when, when we're real early, my wife and I and a lot of our friends, where we're kind of taught, um, y- do some of these things, like, like, if you, like if you come this Friday and burn your secular music, you'll be okay. So I'm like, down with Tupac, okay, and then I got to buy it later, um, Okay? And so, so I'm like, we're we're burning our CDs, and like if you listen to, to, to secular music, it's, and if you watch rated R movies and you're kind of like, yeah, I get this, and, and if like, oh, if you watch Harry Potter, you're going to hell twice. And like, there's all these things, there's these undertones of, hey, we won't outright say it, but we are absolutely positively pushing this idea that you have gotta do so much so that it, it draws me to a point where I'm 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 married for two years, we have a, a newborn baby, and I take all of our furniture. All All of our DVDs, our TV, everything that we have, our beds, and I put it out on the drive and I said, we're going to sell it all. We're going to give all the money to the church because even though I didn't believe this would save me um, here, I believed it here and there was this kind of figuring this whole thing out and this is what I was taught and so much so as being a pastor kind of in this stream of thought, not only was I taught this, but I taught this, that that I pushed this idea and and it it just, it kind of came to head that. As we, we spent our time, I realized I'm reading through the scripture, and i realized, man, for me, the reason I get so excited about this, the reason I need you to get this, because I know some of you have felt the weight. Even today, even today, like you you rolled in, you got your kid. Shut up! You get him in the car, you get him here in the parking lot, you yell at them, hey, how are you? I'm good, how are you? You know you're faking it. You were just yelling at your kids, you liar. Okay, so, so in this moment, you, you experienced the weight of, I just can't get it right, and I was feeling that so much so, and it came to head where there was a Sunday night prayer service, and we were praying for this woman who had cancer, and it's just over and over, we're telling her, you've got to have faith, you've got to believe, if you would just believe, if you had faith, and she's in tears, because I can't believe anymore, like, I don't know what you want me to do. I, I have all the faith, and, and God isn't healing me. And there's this frustration, and Frank gave us a phenomenal point last week where he said that the gospel, essentially uh, implication of what the gospel is, is that it's for everyone. And I realized this, this isn't the gospel. Like, like, God healing her and God saving her isn't based on her big faith, her pushing through. I was in the Philippines, not, not much... Um, further after that and we're sitting there in a church that has nothing they don't have a roof but they have chairs like ours which in the philippines is phenomenal and i asked the pastor how you have nothing but you have these nice chairs it's because two weeks prior a guy rolls in and says you're god's children and you sit on stools no god's children sit on nice chairs and they put all their money why because if we do if we do if we do this then god will be happy with us and that's not the case and so that's why I get so excited about this. This is why over and over we're beating this drum at redemption. You can't do it. God did it. And so all I want to do, all I want to go at, all I want to press in is, is I want to talk about grace. I, I want to I go at this, like pedal to the metal. I want you to, to, to feel the weight of legalism and self-righteousness that's in your heart. I want us to play sports like we used to play sports where we kept score as kids. And I want you to see that, that um, grace wins every time and, and it's a grown man when it comes to the game. Like it wins and everyone's like, yeah, no one's beaten grace. I want us to see and feel the weight of, of Martin Luther who says, be a sinner and sin boldly. What do you do with that statement? What do you do with that statement as a Christian? Your man Martin Luther, the, 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 the king of the Protestant Reformation, says, hey, be a sinner and sin boldly. And in the context, it's poetically laid out how he goes about it, but just feel that for a second. Let the legalist in you feel the weight of him saying, be a sinner and sin boldly. What does that do within you? How does that resonate like, whoa, 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 but, but, but? No, listen, at the end of the day, there's the push. And I've seen this least in um, my experience with, with this and how the, the Bible has, has absolutely come true for this. You know, I, I've ran into situation after situation, and even now in my redemption community, there's um, uh, a sister, these two sisters that we knew at our church prior, the Sabo sisters, Arielle and Joanna, who go to our redemption community, and there is a security that's found in them once the gospel is absolutely portrayed. Yesterday, our RC went to the lake, and um, Arielle, the youngest sister, rolled up in this like red Mary Poppins hat, and I was like, that just looks stupid, um, and I told her, and she was able to say, like, I don't care, I like this hat, like, her identity was, like, I can wear a stupid Mary Poppins hat if I want to, okay, but for her, it did, her security is found not in, in what she does, you tracking with me, it's not this, like, so I've been able to see this, if I can just do, 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 to actually see the gospel bear fruit in this idea that, man, I find my security in the cross, and the cross alone, and that's it, that, that, that's Grace, now now I want to do this. Um, I want us to go at this, and we're going to go at our text. And I just need you to to understand, there's a point in some time in this message that you're going to want to say, Yeah, I get it, but... And and I would challenge you this morning to not get there. to don't jump the gun on it, but feel and challenge your heart in this. Challenge your heart in this. Romans chapter 4. We're going to talk about how grace, um, how grace, basically everything ties into it in that faith is going to tie into it. Abraham's going to tie into it. Justification's going to tie in it. It's all tied into it and, and that we're not saved because of these things. And even before I read it, um, as you're turning then Romans 3, I want to read something to you. Um, there's a guy named Brother Lawrence who wrote a book called Practice of the Presence of God. We're reading it with some friends right now. And um, I, I'll say this. If you haven't read this book or you're not a reader, it's wrote, wrote in the 1600s. Um, it's by this guy who is, he's 80 years old. The dude is the man. At one point in the book, he legitimately says, I've had such delicious thoughts upon the Lord. I am too ashamed to say. Wait, what did you just say? Okay. Like I've had, he just described God as as having delicious thoughts towards him and he's too ashamed to say what they are. I don't even know what. where do you even categorize that? Um, Now this same guy who is is absolutely madly in love with Jesus Christ makes a statement in this book um, that that I hope that you get, that you can feel the weight of as as we get into our, our section. This is what he says. He says, I fail in my duty often. I readily acknowledge it that I am used to doing so, and I shall never do anything otherwise when I'm left to myself. When I had not thought of God for a good while, I acknowledge my wretchedness, and I return to him with so much more of the trust. So the man who has delicious thoughts upon the Lord, this man who loves Jesus Christ, this man who's given his life to Jesus Christ, says, hey, there are large gaps where I just don't read my Bible. There are big holes in my faith where I just, I don't pray. There are times when I just can't get it right. And you know what I do in that moment? I find my security in the cross and I don't dwell on it because worldly sorrow brings death, but godly sorrow brings repentance. And in this moment, I'm not saved by how much I fast. I'm not saved on the lack of rated R movies I watch, but I'm saved on the foundation of Jesus Christ and I move on. And I trust him more for it because I know if I was left to myself, I would do that all the time. And so we get this picture now to to go forward in Romans chapter 4 of what this looks like. There's an immediate question asked in verse 1 that we're going to need to go at. And and then I'll give us some some background. And here's the question. Um, Paul's asking a question for the Jews. And then he answers it. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? Can we just stop right there? I know it's one verse, but we only have three of them. So you know we're at least a third of the way there. Um, so the question immediately is well, well, then what do we do with Abraham? And the reason that, that this is being asked is because if, if you can just look, maybe it's on the same page, but on, in verse 28 of chapter 3, there is a doctrinal statement that Paul says, uh, you know, we get this idea, we hold to blah. If you go down any online thing like oh I wonder what this church believes in they'll say we hold to this we hold to this Paul says in verse 28 for we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law and then you skip to 31 and here's the question do we then overthrow the law by this faith by no means on the contrary we uphold it and so the immediate thing is if you're saved by grace If you're saved by faith, if there's nothing you can do and you're a dead man, well, then here's the Jews in this moment. They say, well, then what do we do? What do you do with Abraham? Now, I I get it. There are some of you, maybe half of the room, who can quote that song, and you know what it is. Uh, Unfortunately, our church has taught my son this song, and you know what I'm talking about. He's had many sons. Yes, many sons. Okay, I'm, I'm done um and maybe some of you have no idea what that song is which god bless you for it um but but whatever side you on there's this man named abraham that we need a a serious amount of background um to talk about where we're going to go because the jews in this moment say hey i'm looking back at abraham what about him i mean he offered his boy isaac he was willing to do that can't you see that he did these things and abraham's like He's the real deal. The three major faiths in the, in the world, the ma- three major faiths all find their, their rooting within Abraham. Islam, Judaism, and, and Christianity all say Abraham's our man. Matter of fact, there's a guy named uh, James Boyce who wrote a uh, commentary on the book of Romans, and he makes a pretty provocative statement. He says, and I would have to agree with him, um, that Abraham, outside of anyone that's not deity, i.e. God the Father, the Holy Spirit, or, or uh, the Son, Jesus Christ, Abraham, hear this, is the most important person in the Bible. So, so you got Moses, and you got David, Write the Psalms, he gave the law, Moses gave the law, uh, Paul over here is writing about two-thirds in the New Testament, um, John the Baptist, the greatest man born among women, Solomon, the wisest dude ever. All those dudes are great, but the most important figure in the Bible is Abraham. And if, if we're going to make a statement like that, you got to understand why and, and where it's coming from and why the Jews are saying, look at Abraham. What about Abraham? Like Abraham is, and I thought about how to explain this, and I know I'm going to lose a lot of you in this, the, the older like, and the younger, but but there's a, a select group of you that, that will get this. Abraham is like regular Nintendo, okay? Ab- Adam, Adam and like Enoch and Cain and Abel, they're like Atari. I was kind of like, oh, whatever. And then we get to regular Nintendo, and it just like spawned like Super Nintendo, Sega, Dreamcast, okay? And I get like, some of you are younger, you're like, what? What's that? Like what's besides like Xbox, you know, 580 or whatever it is? Or and then some of you like who's old as Frank don't even know what you know you were born before there's electricity and so I don't know there's this this whole kind of dichotomy but there's some of you where there's this game system Nintendo that spawned all these other things and these are where this religion comes from and so we kind of looked at Nintendo so much there's a guy uh, John Demeter who attends um, here. He's actually helping us on our, our church plan on the west side. His son um, is, uh, I think, I want to say nine. Um, and uh, he was really jacked to tell me that he's going to get a, and this is his, and I quote, Did you know they make TVs that are shaped like boxes? I'm like, No! Okay? This, he's nine years old. He's like, And I'm going to get a regular Nintendo. I'm like, Oh, good Lord. Um, This guy's got Xbox, Minecraft, whatever it is, and he's getting a regular Nintendo. I don't know what that has to do with anything, but ultimately he's like regular Nintendo, okay? Um, He spawns all these things, and and so we get to look back, we get to see from the the origin of what that looks like and why the Jews are making this claim, okay? So uh, it's gonna be some Old Testament stuff. Just track with me. Let's go at what the Jews are saying here and what Paul is pushing back against. Um, If you can, turn to uh, Genesis chapter 15. Now, if you don't know anything about Abraham, let me set this up for you. His name was um, Abram, and he still is in our story. Um, God's going to change his name to Abraham. And uh, God uh, essentially looked down on him and said, hey, I see you're with your family. I see what you're doing. I want you to leave your land, and I want you to follow me, okay? Which, um, I don't have notes, but whatever. Um, so so he, he looks at this, and he says, I want you to follow me. And we get to, in this moment, in, in uh, Genesis chapter 15, see this, this quote of, of uh, Romans uh, chapter 4, verse 3. Well, what about Abraham? It was counted to him as righteousness. He's our forefather. It was counted to him, and what this whole thing looks like. So I'm going to tell you a story, two stories. Track with me. We'll get there. Um, I promise. So here it is. In Genesis chapter 15, uh, verse 1, here's what it says. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, this is, Man shall not be your heir; your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside, and he said, "Hear this: Look toward heaven and number the stars, if you are able to number them." Then he said to him, "So shall your offspring be." So, so here's the story: Abraham God saying, "Hey, hey, hey, bro, I, I called you, like I selected you, I, I chose you." And now Abraham's like, "Well, how do you're saying I'm going to be this great nation? But I have no kids." So how do I know I'm going to be this great nation? And he, he takes him outside. And he says, look at the stars. Can you count how many stars there are? Because if you can, that's how many kids you are going to have. But I don't have a son. No, you're going to have a son. So Abraham sits, sitting there contemplating what God is saying in this moment. And then we are told in verse 6, where it's quoted in uh, Romans 4, verse 3 verse six of chapter 15, and he believed the Lord, and hear me, and he counted it to him as righteousness. Now, I need you to catch a couple things in here in this moment. It wasn't Abraham saying, I've got big faith, I believe. No, the whole dialogue is, got to hear you, but, but no, wait a minute, I'm not tracking, because this, isn't, this doesn't make sense. I don't even got a kid. So there's a combative nature from Abraham, and eventually Abraham says, okay, I believe what you're saying in this moment. Like, like I hear what you, I believe what you're saying. And what's crazy is it doesn't say because he believed, he just got righteousness. No, God had the righteousness and he counted it. He accredited it to Abraham. So it wasn't Abraham's super cape that he put on and said, I believe enough. I know you have cancer, but if you believe enough, if you just do the right things. If you believe enough, it wasn't that because God Credit it to him. He accounted it to him as righteousness. So God made Abraham righteous, and faith was only the channel, man. Faith in this moment it was only the channel. What's so bizarre is we're told later um, in, in the epistles in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that even faith itself is a gift from God. So even Abraham saying, I just, I just believe you. Martin Luther actually, the man who, who said told us to sin a lot, he, he said in this, uh, when talking about this certain section of scriptures, he said, ultimately, all he did, all Luther did was believed what God said he, sa- uh, said he was going to do and believed who he said he was. So I, I, I believe what, you, what you're going to do. I get it. I'm old. I can't have kids. I get it. I'm not going to be able to do this, but you say so, and I believe on you. I trust in you, and God credited it to him as righteousness. God did this. What's so awesome about the the biblical narrative is. We find this idea, this crediting of righteousness, not just in Romans, but again in Galatians chapter 3. And and we see something, how we're tied into the story. You don't have to turn there. I want to read it to you. In in Galatians chapter 3, this is what Paul says. He's talking to the Galatians who ultimately um, believe on Jesus Christ, and there's a lot of struggling, and they're trying to earn their grace. Just listen to what this says in verse 2 of chapter 3. He says, let me ask you only this, did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith are you so foolish having begun by the spirit are you now being perfected by the flesh did you suffer so many things in vain if indeed it was in vain so Paul's immediate question is do you remember that day you remember when you were high as a kite on that building, I called your name, you got down and I saved you. Do you remember what you were doing when I called you and how you realized you desperately wanted me, but I called you even though you were in that mess and I didn't say I love you when you get there. Do you remember that it was by the spirit? And if that's the case, if you remember that, then why are you trying to work this thing out in the flesh? Why are now you trying to do it? If you believed you were saved by grace, why are now you trying to earn it? And so Paul pushes in that direction and he continues on. Um, which it gets really awesome. This Britney Spears mic is terrible. Um, verse five, does he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with, fla- uh, with faith? And then verse six, here, here's what he says. Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness, listen to this, verse seven, know then that it, it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. So God, in our story, takes out Abraham and says, I want you to look at the stars. I want you to see that those are going to be your descendants. And hear me, the Jews think, because there's a physical thing, because we're physically tied, no, that's not what happens. The stars are not the Jews. The stars are you. That in that moment, those who call on the name of Jesus Christ and live and trust by faith, this is what Paul says in Galatians 3, are his heirs. We talked about this before romans chapter 2 that he is a jew who is circumcised at heart that those of us who trust god is saying you see that those are my sin and this is why this is important because we can know that that's our story we are in this narrative and we can look back and say okay well how abraham how are you justified and keep in mind this is the first time in the bible though noah is called blameless enoch is called blameless this is the first time someone is called righteous This is the first time someone is justified. So how this starts in the biblical narrative is unbelievably important. The Jews are right on that. They're just wrong on how it goes about because it wasn't based on what he did. It was based on the fact that he had faith. And we are in that story. And I think, like any of us... um, we, we immediately are going to go to this idea of, well, how do I know? How, what do I do? How do I, how do I do this? And Abraham does exactly that. He asks a question, and, and he shows us how, and it's found in verse 7. We're going to go through this whole chapter, so just track with me. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur and the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, O oh Lord, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He said to him, Bring me a heifer, three years old, a female goat, three years old, a ram, three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought him all these, cut them in half, and laid each half against each other. But he did not cut the birds in half, and when the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abraham drove them away, which is a random point. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abraham, and behold, a dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abraham, Know for certain that your offspring will be soldiers in a land that is not theirs, and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterwards they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go uh, to your fathers in peace, and you shall be buried in, great, in a good old age. And they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. Just track with me a couple more verses. When the sun had gone down, it was dark. Behold, a smoking firepot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham saying, and then he goes on to say what he's going to say. Um, Let me explain, because this is a kind of a bizarre story, and it's really important that we know what happens here. I'll steal a couple things from from, uh, Keller here and explaining what this looks like. Um, Essentially, what you have in Abraham's day is, if there's a man over here, and he owns a lot of land or a kingdom, and there's a man over here who owns a lot of land and kingdom, these dudes come together, and they say, hey, here's the deal. That's your land, and this is my land. Those are your daughters. May your daughters marry my sons. May your sons marry my daughters, vice versa. Let's make a covenant. And what they would do is they would take this cow, they would take this goat, they would take what they need to take, they would cut these animals in half and they would separate them. And they would make this aisle way. And essentially what they would do is they would walk down this aisle way together between these carcasses and say, if one of us breaks this covenant, may we be like these animals. So, so this is the picture of what happened? So Abraham and her God are standing there getting ready to make a covenant. They're getting ready to say, let's make a covenant together. And in this moment, God puts Abraham asleep. He says, and so he, he goes to sleep. It gets dark. And then God, in the symbol of a fire, passes through these animals by himself. And so God makes a covenant with Abraham. But here is the key. Abraham did nothing. But God is still making a covenant with him. So if one of these sides breaks that covenant, whoever walked through will be punished just like, these Abraham, just like these animals. And what's crazy about it is Abraham does this, but God is the only one who walks through, so who takes the punishment? God. Whoever breaks that covenant is gonna be slaughtered like these animals, and that's exactly what God does. That's exactly what happens to God in the man Jesus Christ. He, he completes, he fulfills, and the covenant is found in him. And Abraham was asleep. The dude was asleep. And God uses this picture, the beautiful picture of the Exodus. Just know there's a day, hear this, resonate with this, where your people will be in bondage and slavery. And who's gonna save them? Who's gonna save them? I will. Matter of fact, that same story he tells in, in Exodus fourteen fourteen. at this point, Moses is talking with God and God just says, here's what I want you to do to, for me to save you. Nothing. Just stop talking. That's all he says. Just stop. I will get you out of Exodus. I will get you out of Egypt. This will be the Exodus, and this will be a a foreshadowing of what I'm going to do. And Abraham has told this, and he's asleep. He brought nothing to the table. God made made the covenant. God took the punishment of Abraham trying to break this covenant. God is where it's centered around, and Abraham has faith in this. But for some of us, it's hard to track with this because our heart churns like we are Confessing Christians, but we are um, believing Mormons that we, we try to earn salvation by doing things. And at the, the heart of what that is, is um, if we're doing anything outside of love and faith in Jesus Christ, hear what I'm about to say to you it's sin. It, it's sin. It's damnable sin. Let me tell you how you know you're not going to be able to do enough. Because there's going to be a guy one day. Who stands before Jesus Christ and says, I cast out demons. Anybody cast out a demon in here? No. If you did, that's kind of cool, okay? I cast out a demon. You see what I did? I don't even know who you are, man. Like, I don't even know who, but I gave this. We're told in 1 Corinthians 13 that if you give your body to be burned, if it's not out of love, it's useless, so all the work and all the treachery, all these things are absolutely, positively useless if they are not done in faith in what God has done. It is grace, and feel the weight of it. Feel the weight of it, that to know, hear me, hear me, you're going you're gonna to fail, <laughs> okay? You're going to mess up. That day's coming, and God doesn't look down. He's not surprised by it, but we look in this moment, like the Jews, and we say Abraham's our father, the difference is we see he's our father because he is saved, justified by faith. It was counted to him, this faith was ultimately counted to him, accredited to him, given to him by God. This righteousness is put on him by God, which is awesome, which is great, and, it, and it's hard for us to feel um, sometimes and walk in uh, diligently. And so, um, what I want to do is I want to say this because I think for for the most part we want to I, I know I want to just stop there and I want some of you guys to who essentially jeez um, who don't like this who, who've been in that 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 church setting or or still are kind of your heart still goes yeah 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 we're saved by grace but you'll do these things so so let me tell you what the fruit is hear me and I'm just going to throw this out there are people in my RC who smoke cigarettes I'm totally going to hell okay there are people in RC who who drink. There are people who in RC who go to clubs. There are people who in RC who do these things, and listen to me, at the end of the day, uh, though they're living on mission, it's not what, these, what they do that saves them. Do, do you understand? Like These things are so lost. These, these laws that are these preferences that, that ultimately we make law are so lost. Don't get lost in these semantics, and, and um, I wanna stop and just say that and just let you resonate on it for a week. Unfortunately, um, Romans doesn't a- afford us that. Um, because it, it's, it's derived from Romans uh, three thirty-one, so I want to read that verse to you again. In Romans uh, chapter three, verse thirty-one, the, the verse legitimately right before um, this uh, makes us say something, and, and this is how we'll, we'll end up closing. I'll read it again because I read it earlier. Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. So, so here, here it is. There are things to be done okay? Um, But can I just say this? Um, They will be a natural flow of your love of Jesus Christ. So the things that are done in the Old Testament can only be fulfilled in faith. And so in this moment, you trying to earn things, thinking you can be a better person by fasting twice a week, by reading more, by praying more, should only be a outworking, a flow of your love for Jesus Christ. If it's anything else, it's a sin. But by doing this, we fulfill the law. Now, there's two implications to this. Ultimately, um, maybe there's someone in here that is uh, not saved, um, and I use that terminology, and I think it's whatever. Um, there's some of you who are in here who, who are just wrestling with Jesus Christ. Like, you're like, I, I don't know. I, I get what you're saying. I, I understand. I'm kind of tracking with you, but honestly, like, I don't understand this whole Jesus thing, and, and here's what I would say to you. Um, right now, I'm, I'm in a really great time in my life, and this isn't like a Look at me, but I, this is from Thursday night. I woke up Friday morning and I'd gotten a couple of texts. And Let me tell you what these texts were. One text was from a guy um, who I've really grown to be friends with over the last couple of years who um, went on a date. He was out on a date till one in the morning and it was so great. And um, I mean, it was just awesome. Like, and don't, you, know, you know, some of you guys don't know. How many of you guys are single And you, Raise your hand. You chickens. You go online, come on, bro, raise your Gentlemen, come up here if you're single, okay? No. Okay, so, so here's, 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 um, here's the truth. Uh, he's, he's really excited and, and this is just a season where my friends are, I'm, I'm going to weddings, um, I'm in weddings. I get to do some of their weddings. Um, I'm in a season where they're dating and it's just it's really great And, and they're they're learning to love and they're you know And another text was my, my best friend for ages since I was a little kid He texted me He said, you know We just had our boy and I get up and we go see the hot go to the hospital and see him um, And it's just a great time in my life that I get to to hear not just in, in echoing of my memory But but feet pattering down the hallway and hold my three-year-old son and it 's is just a good time, man it's just a good time that I get to enjoy what life um, is offering right, right now. But, but, but here's the thing. I would be a fool to think that's going to last forever. I would be a fool. Ecclesiastes would say that he who thinks of death often is wise. That, that I got to know that there's going to be days when I'm going to the hospital, and I haven't been to the hospital in forever to, to see a baby, but I'm going there because a friend had died. I'm getting calls that, that there's terror. Like, that day's coming. Like, my mom's not going to live forever. My friends aren't gonna live forever. That day's coming. And if, if I put all my chips in my, I've helped out Habitat for Humanity or I've passed out water bottles, I'm a good person. If I put all my chips in that corner, I'm gonna stand before God one day say, I don't know you. I don't know who you are. But that day is coming. And I would challenge you, the eternal weight of what this looks like for some of you who don't know Jesus Christ, press into that. Find out what that looks like. I say, man, last time I read, get around Christians, join a redemption community. You don't need to be a Christian to join a redemption. Find out what this thing's about because at the end of the day, that day's coming. It's going to happen. And and the second thing is for those of you who who do know Jesus Christ, who who are trying to follow Jesus Christ well, but your heart automatically reverts to this idea of God, I know that you saved me by grace. I just, I can't get it right, and you're, you're, you're wrestling, and over and over, you're beating yourself down, and I did this right, oh, I did it wrong, let me start over. Okay, I did this right, I did this right, oh, I did it wrong, let me start over. And you get caught in this cul de like over and over, you're driving around in circles. Oh, Jesus, I love you so much, I'm never gonna sin again. Oh, I messed up. Oh, I hate myself, this is terrible. God, okay, you were praying. Oh, man, I love you. Jesus, I love you so much. Oh, God, I messed up. Over, and you get caught in this, this vicious cycle of, you're just, and listen, step out of that beast man step out of that thing and you were saved by grace from the very beginning of our story it's always been like that and your heart like the jews is going to tell you you've got to do you've got to do no our story says he was justified by faith he trusted in what god said he didn't even walk down the aisle god made the covenant that's our story. And I, 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 would, I would pray that you would believe like Abraham believed that you would rely on God and not your own handwork. I'm gonna um, read something for you. We're gonna sing a song in a second. Um, the last verse um, in this song um, called I Boast No More is just a re- great, great verse for, for just you to track with for a second. This is what it says and then I'll pray for us. The best obedience of my hands dares not appear before thy throne but faith can answer thy demands by pleading what my lord has done when you get it right when you are on your game god is not happier with you he's not more in love with you when you get it wrong because you will god is not disappointed in you you want to know why he's not even looking at you he's looking at his son It's grace. Let me pray for you. Father, we're grateful. Um, We are absolutely mindful of the fact that um, our hearts want to add a lot of buts to this. Our hearts want to um, resort to this idea we know we're saved by grace, but we want to do, and I just pray that um, For our verse today we would see a good picture of abraham and and notice that from the very beginning um, it's always been in faith and you give us this faith you've chosen us and we don't deserve it you've given us grace and we don't deserve it we're asleep we're dead men we're naturally wicked we're children of wrath our thoughts are continually evil we fail at being parents we fail at being husbands and wives we're not good uh, church members. We, we don't do community well. We, we just can't get it right. But our identity isn't found in those things. Those are outworkings of the fact that by grace, you have saved us. I pray that we would do these things well because of our love and faith in you, Jesus. I pray that we would know this, that we would walk in this, and that the legalistic side of our heart would, would, would be gone. Keep pushing us away from that idea and let us fall madly in love with you. We love you, we praise you, we thank you. We desperately want you in Jesus' name, amen.